Welcome to the Throwing Jay Show. So glad you're here. Today's episode is Steve Watson. He came to speak to us about the employee benefits world, health insurance, the mess that we're in, the things he's doing to change it, what goes on behind closed doors that we need to know about so that we can effectively save money for our clients and help them save for a better future in their retirement plans. It was big. I really learned a lot. I hope you'll enjoy this episode and follow Steve. He has his own podcast, Trend Breakers. Steve knows his stuff, and you'll hear that here on the episode today. Also, quick reminder, text me, 401k, text 401k to 385-220-8548 so you can keep in touch with all the events coming up, all the different content, all the different guests that are going on inside the club. Hope to hear from you soon. Enjoy the episode. All right, so welcome everyone. We probably have a few more jumping on, but I'm excited today because I don't know if you guys know this, if, if you've heard my background in the benefits space, I actually, that's how I really launched in the 401k only world is with a benefits firm. And what was great about that is I learned a lot about the biggest, probably the basic expense outside of payroll for most companies, and that's the healthcare expenses. And as many of you know, that's probably one of the first things that people ask as they look at a new job. And so um, the, the crazy thing is there's so much that needs to be done there. And there's a few people that are doing stuff about it. There, there are interesting ways about going about designing your healthcare plan. And Steve Watson is one of the best at it. He's actually in a similar type of situation where he's a practicing CFO and chief HR officer as well. So he's kind of in the HR and CFR role, but his background has been to not only just do his job, but also help other people in his same position do the same thing as he's done to save his company millions of dollars. So it's a huge deal. And as we help have these conversations with benefit brokers, I actually have a lunch set up with a benefit broker right after this call today. Oh, wow. So um, it's important for you to understand that benefits world and know how to speak their language and know how to kind of poke some holes in some of the health plans and then know what to do about it. So I thought Steve would be a great guest for us today. Um, Steve, give us a little bit of background. I know you've got a lot on your on, on your LinkedIn page. You've got an awesome speaker kind of uh, wow. brochure, I would say a resume. It's, it's amazing. Like I, I'm probably going to copy and make one myself to that you, extent. You can it's copy awesome. it as well. I can email it out to the group or I can link you into the person to help me do it. But it, it's helped me land a whole bunch of speaking gigs, just having that kind of speaking kit built. So highly recommend doing that if it's something that you want to want to do. So my, my background is, yes, I'm a, I'm a CFO. You can look me up on LinkedIn, Steve Watson, CPA to find me there. I have my MBA, CPA, all these letters after my name. Started working for a company in Arizona, 500 employees as a social work company. And a year into my tenure, the HR director quit. And they looked at me and they said, HR, finance, it's the same thing. And they gave it to me. So I don't, I don't <laughs> know in what world you think HR and finance is the same thing. But I, I dove into that world. I started attending all the national SHRM conferences, all the national HR conferences, got certified in HR. And for the last 10 to 11 years, I've been wearing both hats. And so I got this little battle going on in my head between HR and finance. And where those worlds really collide is benefits. Because about a year into my tenure after that, I got a 30% rate increase. So 30% on that level of spend was two to $300,000 a year as a CFO. I was trying to figure out how to pay for those benefits. And then as the HR side of me, I was having to stand up in front of 500 employees and tell them why their benefits were getting more watered down, copay is going up, deductibles going up, and it was getting more expensive. And it just ticked me off. I'm like, there has to be a better way. As a CFO, I can find all values, valuing all areas of the business, except for benefits, which like 
Jake was saying, it's my second largest expense. There's payroll and then benefits. And benefits, you know, for my company is three to four million dollars a year, which nothing else is a comparison. Rent's not a comparison, all the other the other things. And so I went on this journey to try and figure out that, found some ways to save a lot of money for my company. And then really, if you think about it, for somebody like me as a CFO, there's no Yelp reviews, there's no Amazon reviews, there's nothing out there for me to get educated from somebody who's not trying to sell me insurance. And so that's why I started Trend Breakers to bring my peers together to learn from and, and do it. So I, I don't sell insurance, I'm not an insurance broker. I did get licensed so I can peek behind the veil and learn all this stuff about it, but it's more from an education standpoint that I do. So, so Trend Breakers is your consulting yes. brand and firm that you go out and actually help basically your peers, those people that are yes. in your same shoes, in your role, in your, in your company. Yep. So that, and, and I think, I don't know if everyone has the background on benefits, but what's unique about benefits, it's a very similar process that, that for the health insurance that we go through with the 401k, but it's done annually. Like literally every single year there has to be renewal and there's, and maybe Steve can speak more to this, but there's kind of different levels of insurance that your company may or may not want to do, depending on the demographic, how many people, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And a lot of times companies just kind of bounce around like the cell phone plan and just look for the cheapest and, and carriers will change their premiums. It's a game that really doesn't lead to end good results of better care and, and more efficient pricing and premiums for their employees. So in, in having this conversation, it's really important because the foreign case kind of over on the side, like it's important, but a lot of times HR and CFOs are way more focused on this problem and the 401k kind of gets kicked down the road. And if you know how to engage with them about this, that's, that's going to be critical. So Steve, tell us a little bit more about like, what are things we should look for? How are ways we can poke holes in this, this whole problem in the healthcare okay. so, so one is just, just acknowledge it. And so think about somebody in my space. So for my, my company, um, my company in the match, we spend probably $150,000 a year on the match on our, so, and that's a broker that we, you know, our advisor, we, we work with our, another broker we have is our, our business liability workers comp, like that area. I have another broker that I work with. I, I spend probably $400,000 on that area. And then health benefits is like 4 million. So just in size reference on what my company <laughs> spends. And then you think about compensation we all as HR professionals, we know exactly what our financial advisors making. We have to, it has to be part of our due diligence. We can go to court if we don't know those, those fees, but I pay about $20,000 a year for my financial advisor fees. The PNC broker, that agency is getting $40,000 a year. Any guess on what do you think the employee benefits broker is making off of my plan? I would say probably close to a million. Well, not that bad, but it, the, the agency is <laughs> making like a hundred and Maybe not with you. 000. I would say with other people with their no, yeah, fully insured. It's $125,000 a year. And that's on the low end. Some of them would be in the $150,000 to $200,000 a year range, which is fascinating to me to look from my... So again, I'm the CFO. I'm dealing with these three advisors to help me. The amount of work that they do on their side, I don't know if they're that much different. You know, I do a one annual renewal with my PNC broker. I do it with my benefits broker, you know, advisor, financial advisors. You guys come every year, quarterly or stuff, but it's just an interesting thing. So some of, some of the things that are very different, we manage financial advisors' compensation very strictly. Like we know exactly how much it's doing. Benefits advisors, we have no clue. We have no idea how much they make their money. We don't know the commissions. We don't know anything. It's all embedded in there. There's all these misaligned things where they make more money as the premiums go up. There's all this indirect compensation that's, that's coming. 
or th that they have. And so they might recommend a TPA and they get a dollar per, per script or something going there. They might recommend some, somebody else and get a dollar for that. Why is all of this important? I'm telling you this is because as of next year, starting in January, all brokers are required on the employee benefits side to disclose their compensation. It is a huge change in our industry. So there are CFOs, HR professionals that you're working with right now that have no idea what their benefit broker is making. And they may think that they're making $75,000 right year, a year right now. And they're gonna be shocked when they're gonna see a $200,000 bill, that they're making more money than that CFO makes or more money than that HR professional makes. So where I think you guys could help and poke holes in it is like you guys already have this relationship with them of being very transparent. It's a financial service industry where you have to be transparent, where you're fiduciary and all that, that kind of piece there. How do you help train that HR professional, that CFO to kind of look at these areas or have they done? Because what's interesting about this law is that the fines and the penalties are not for the broker. It's for the CFO and the HR professional. So if we don't get the compensation we're not doing our fiduciary responsibilities and they could take us to court and find us. And there, I would be shocked if one out of 20 of your CFOs know that law and that that happened and that it's coming. And so you could be the ones coming out the gate, telling them about that and explaining to them, explaining how, how your industry had to go through the same thing 20 years ago from being more a commission-based kind of thing to more a fee-based and different things and how that's been a bit, bit beneficial and how you can help them with their... And, benefit side so what, what that goes into place january next year yes what how is that disclosed is it done like through the 5500 or is it a different disclosure well, this like is we different have... than the 5500 so 5500s they have to you know you guys are more aware of this disclose all the compensation this is a direct thing with them so it's not public they have to tell that cfo how much that they're making and again it's not as easy as just saying, here's my commissions I'm getting from Blue Cross or Aetna or something like that. They get commissions off of dental plans, off of worksite benefit plans, life, life insurance plans. They get overrides. So if they have enough business with Blue Cross, you know, instead of getting 5% commissions, they get an extra one to 2% overrides on top of that. They get bonuses for retention bonuses, for keeping business there, for landing new, new business. They get trips. They, I mean, there's all this stuff built in there. I had no clue about, honestly, as a CFO, I remember when I got that 30% rate increase, I remember looking at my broker and saying, look, I'm not giving you a 30% raise just because Johnny got a stomach ache and ended up in the hospital and I got, you know, my premiums went up. You didn't do anything more work. And so we locked in their compensation. But what changed for me was I, be, I was a, I had a fractional CFO consulting company on the side. I ended up being a CFO for a broker that was starting his business. That really opened up my eyes to see all the revenue that was coming in there. I was like, man, they have no, I had no clue. I, I didn't realize that the compensation that I thought I was negotiating with him on the medical side was about 50% of their compensation, that the other 50% was dental plans, vision plans, life insurance plans, all these other things that are just like pennies there that they get a lot of compensation on. So, so how, do, how do we, well, I know when I've approached this in the past, sometimes I get a lot of pushback from, from HR or, and sometimes CFO role, like they, they don't want to be told this. They, they kind of, I think they're a little bit aware that there's something going on, but they, they feel confident in their relationships that they have with their brokers. And, and yeah, it's, are it's a really... mess. I, I mean, this is where my peer group, I get super frustrated in my peer group because we don't hire HR professionals to be risk managers or analytical folks or like mess with this. We want them to, you know, keep employees happy, recruit, retain stuff, but yet we give them those three areas that I told you about, we give them the 401k side, you know, you go work with your financial advisors and stuff. 
and then we give them employee benefits and then the yeah. CFO doesn't think about it a lot. So I, how would I would address it is just sharing this loss. So I'm going to do a webinar with a lady that's a lawyer in the space that's going to be explaining this, this new law. So that's sharing that, sharing information about things that are coming down. What's shocking to me is that we are so behind the game on employee benefits, we, we, but we have that talent already within our organization. Like we know how to manage financial advisors compensation with the 401k. Like we're already doing that. We know how to manage claims within workers comp. We manage all that stuff down to the pen. And then, but in employee benefits, we just put on our blinders and we just don't even think about it. It's like, how do you apply those skills to employee benefits moving forward? It, I don't know. I, you know, how do you poke holes on it? How do you do it? I think it's hard, but I think that's an opening, a little bit of opening for this year that's unique. And I would say for me, what I'm looking at is telling the right story as to why it's important that they take those blinders off and pay attention to these fees and these costs and make sure that they're in line with the actual services they're getting and show them what could be done with that money to enhance the culture, to prepare a retirement ready workforce. If you have low turnover, you're going to have, you still have a problem. You've got people that are going to stick around for that healthcare, which is going to increase your premiums. If you have them retirement ready and they can leave on time when they want to, when they're happy, when they're making more money than ever, and it, they can get out the door, it, it overall, it's going to lead to overall health and a better balance sheet for the company. Yeah. And, and that's the vision. I think a lot of HR, they, they just, they stay in their lane. They, they keep everyone happy. They're, you know, they don't dare take any risks, like you said. So, so. Let, let's kind of do, and we'll, we'll blow, because I think we have about a half an hour at that time. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's, let's talk a little about health plans, general basis. Size of company matters a lot in health insurance. So if you have less than 50 employees, there's not a lot that you can do. So if you're working with small groups, they're getting off the shelf products. There's not a lot they can set with compensation, negotiate compensation, or the types of plans that they can get. If you're starting to work with companies between 50 to 125 employees, there are five different ways to fund health insurance plans. And most people are stuck on level one. They're just doing these generic Blue Cross, PPO, HSA plans and funding it. They're called fully insured plans. But as they get bigger, so I don't know, in this group, do you do you guys work with companies that are bigger than that? Or is that kind of more smaller companies? Yeah. Like what? No, we got a good, good mix. There's, there's definitely um, a couple people here that work with very big enterprise companies. So Okay, so let's just go, kind of go through the site. So under 50, small group, it, it, it is what it is. 50 to 125, they really need to be looking at level funded plans. And this is kind of, I call them refund plans. So basically you, it looks, acts, feels like a normal health benefits plan, but if you run well, you get a refund at the end of, end of the year. So just think about it as an employee, wouldn't it be nice if you had no claims during the year, you get a refund at the end of the year for you know, having a good year? Well, companies can do that. The downside is, and brokers don't make as much money off of them. Sometimes they're a little bit complicated to do, but it's a way to save some money. That's number two. The third one, they're, I call them um, pay-as-you-go plans. They call them self-funded plans. They're not really all self-funded, but basically a way where you pay first dollar a certain amount up until a cap, and then you buy a policy that kicks in after that. That's where I saved up to $1,000 per employee on my plan, $500,000 a year you know, that I was able to reinvest back into the company. That's because we were running really well. I find that companies between 100 to 500 employees, there is so much opportunity in, in there for companies to make this switch between fully insured to self-funding. 
it's a financial thing and it doesn't happen a lot because it's stuck in an in HR and HR is like, I don't really understand this. I don't really understand numbers. I just don't really want to deal with it. So that's where I spend a lot of my time working with companies. Uh, the fourth one is a self-funded plan, but not using Blue Cross as your administrator. You go out and get an independent TPA. And so if you get bigger companies or different things, there's some, a lot of savings there. And then the last ones are called reference-based pricing plans. Each one of those, you can save about five to 10% off of the norm. So if you start at you know, the base one, if you go to the next step, you save five to 10%, you go to the next step, it's another five to 10%, another five to 10%, another five to 10%. So you can save up to 40% off of your normal spending by jumping to level five. But the education for CFOs and HR professionals is really low. And that's what I'm trying to break. Um, and, and would you say, what, what, why is that? What's the hurdle there? Like, why is the education low? Do you think it's industry just trying to block it because they want to keep, keep them I, down and fully insured or what? We, there, there's not a lot of areas that we, yeah, a lot of stuff we just do on our own. Um, but other areas we hire somebody. So I have a CPA that comes in and helps with the taxes. I have a 401k advisor. I have a insurance advisor. We bring in these experts expecting them to have our best interests in mind, to be fiduciaries of the plan, to do all this stuff the misaligned incentives are so strong within employee benefits where they literally get paid more money by keeping you on step on step one and they get paid more money as the premiums go up. And so to force them to do a better job, to get lower claims and get paid less, you know, I'm not saying that they're all bad people, but the system is set up against them. Right. There's no incentive for them to help you change no. the culture within your company to be smart healthcare consumers. Right. And so, and then, and then they're dealing with HR and HR is worried about just, you know, the compliance side and recruiting and retention. And so, you know, again, wearing my two hats of finance and HR, you know, nobody wants a plan just about finance because it'll be this crappy plan and all the, you know, bare bones kind of stuff, but you don't want a plan just built by HR because it'll have every bell and whistle in it, but the cost will be out of control. Well, where's our healthcare employer-based healthcare system right now? It's way out of control because it's sitting within HR. Um, and those two areas need to work together. And it's, I pulling, it's been hard to kind of work through that, that right now. And so one of the advice for you guys too, is the hierarchy of a company matters. And so if the HR professional reports to the finance, to CFO or something like that, you can skip HR, go directly to finance and kind of have a more financial conversation. If you're dealing with a company where HR reports to the CEO, a lot of times those CFOs, they don't have as much say as you might think. You might say, well, I'm just going to go straight to the CFO and they may not even have any say in it. Um, right. Yeah. That you have to know your audience and you, you got to play to everybody's like real ambitions there. Cause everybody has a different mindset. Yeah. Um, what, and I find that happens that they, they start selling really hard to one area. So they get HR on board or they get finance on board and then they, they have to go over to the other side because you're never going to get into these plans passed if you don't have both sides. But they're using financial arguments to go into HR and that's not going to work or HR arguments to go into finance. And Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so we deal with that all the time. I, in I'm sure Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, we don't know who makes that final decision. Once we figure that out, it could be, you know, a culture thing. It could be the finance thing. It's, it's all over the map. So um, that's why I love working with physicians. Cause I know I'm dealing with just the partner. It's a tax strategy and I know exactly what that's on their mind and the employees well, benefit, I mean, but it's very different going up to the CEO, I think is the best thing. And so the smaller company have more chances to do that. The bigger you get, they may not want to talk about benefits or just may outsource it. But Tanner, yeah. Tanner had a good question about 
So what do you think the new compensation model will look like moving forward or will it even change at all? I, I think, I think it's going to change. I, brokers are really nervous. I was on a call with a whole bunch of other brokers like talking about this and they're really nervous, not so much about the compensation they get directly from Blue Cross, but they get a lot of money from these other outside things that nobody knew about. And so trying to justify that in the, in the future is going, going to be hard. And so why are you getting, you know, you're recommending this TPA and why are you getting a dollar for this stuff for every prescription that's written or why are you getting these kind of things and so i think they're going to have to change that and i i think it's going to make the compensation for brokers overall go down personally yeah which do you think that will lead to some uh, different structure for them i know a lot of brokers you know they get the deal done and they just hand everything off they're very good at, at structuring the workload onto their account managers do you think that'll have to shift a little bit to um, I, I mean, I, I the, the brokers I really like working with, they're very transparent fee-based. And so they go in there and say, look, we're just going to have a fee-based. I'm just going to work directly for you. You work out. Um, but that's uh, rare. I mean, that's only you know, less than 2% of people are doing that. Most of them are getting all these commissions and overrides and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see how it works. I, I think it's going to be a huge shock for CFOs and HR professionals coming out the gate to see that compensation. Yeah, that's true. And I noticed there was a trend um, of a lot of these benefits shops adding 401k teams to their practice. And I continue to see that. And I know that's a big deal because that conversation is getting to be more and more together as far as benefits as a whole, not where it's 401k over here by finance and then benefits. Yeah, over in here my by company, HR. it's all one big thing. We, we meet in August and we decide what benefits we want to add for our employees in the, in the new year and medical and 401k and mileage reimbursements and PTO and holidays and all of that stuff's part of the whole same conversation. And then how we go operationalize it can be a little bit different, whether it's a 401k advisor or, you know, benefits, but from the company standpoint, it's all within the benefits world. So would you see that as a strength to, to a benefit broker to have 401k in their, in their office as an added value, or would you like, do you think it's more important to keep them separate where you have advisors and specialists in the 401k space? I, I like them separate. Um, I don't even like combining my benefits with my property and casualty insurance. I know a lot of companies will do those, those yeah, together, all together, but they're so different. Um, and yeah. how I address them is so different. Um, and what happens within employee benefits is like, you think about the ancillary benefits like vision and disability plans and stuff like that. They've all got lumped inside of the medical one. And so I may set up a two hour renewal meeting with my broker to talk about all of the benefits. I'll spend two hour, two and a half hours talking about medical. It's already gone over. And then the last five minutes as we're wrapping up, it's like, oh, these other ones are just a rate pass or 5% or whatever. And we just move on. And like, we just don't even talk about them. And so they, <laughs> those ones actually, I think get missed up a lot. I think there's a lot of things within their contracts and stuff and rates and things that we could do a better job if we had another person that specialized in those areas. And so I would worry if 401k got wrapped in employee benefits, it would just be part of that same conversation and nobody would ever really talk about it. That's a good point. Because remember, think about me. Again, I'm spending $4 million on medical and $100,000 on 401k. So from a CFO standpoint, you're still just down in the small small piece. So. Yeah. What, what are your ideas on how to help educate employees as far as getting them when you move from, from fully insured to level funded and even level funded to sell to fully 
to self-funding. Funding. Yeah, I, like I, everything that I do is trying to keep everything as the same as possible for employees. And so I, I try and keep the same, you know, if they're on a Blue Cross plan, I'm trying to change everything on the CFO side and the HR side. And so it still looks, feels, acts like the same and it makes the easiest transition for that. Hmm. And so you can do a self-funded plan within Blue Cross, a self-funded plan between United. They would still have an HSA plan. They would still have a PPO plan. Like the employees wouldn't even know. Like my company, the employees have no idea whether it's self-funded or fully insured. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of all behind the scenes, but it's just how you pay the bill. It's just how the bill comes. Like, does it have a flat fee that comes through that I pre-negotiate that flat fee or does the bill kind of go up or down? Um, but there's, you know, the, the example that I use. And so if this is still new to you, a really good example is like a gym membership. Like I can pre-negotiate that gym membership for $30 a month. And whether I go a hundred times or zero times, I pay 30 bucks a month. Right. And then I'll, I'll renegotiate that thing next year. Or if I set up a thing, well, I pay six bucks a month or six times every time I go to the gym, but it caps at $30. And so if I go a hundred times, it's still 30 bucks. If I go one time it's six bucks, if I go zero times it's zero. So it can kind of fluctuate, but it fluctuates right. up to that cap. And that's actually how these plans work. And so I set a cap. It's usually pretty close to the fully insured ones. I get to keep the upside and then there's no risk. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What, what about the HSA space? I know that oftentimes when I was with the benefit shop doing the front K, I would get to go enroll in meetings and I would end up getting the last five minutes of the meeting. And then it, it was, I spent more of that time on HSA because they would just mention it and not really talk about the advantage of it from a retirement standpoint. Do you think, do you think that's kind of a good way for us to kind of phase into helping benefit brokers, like bridge the gap between 401k and benefits with the HSA as a powerful tool in, in the middle? Or what are your I, thoughts on that? I mean, I have lots of thoughts on that. I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a way in. I think it's a kind of a red herring. I don't think it has as much impact as people said. I, I really like HSA plans. I use an HSA plan. They're supposed to be, meant to be consumers to be able to keep that money. The problem that we have is none of us know the pricing. And so I can be a consumer, but if I still go to the hospital, I still have no idea what I'm going to get charged. And I still have to wait two months for that bill to come. And so how much of a real consumer are you? Um, and the pricing used to be a lot different. So over three to four years ago, you'd see a big difference between HSA pricing and PPO pricing. Over time, those prices have gotten closer to one another. So you're not seeing the delta between them. And it's hard, it's getting harder for companies to justify adding money into the HSA for you because now sometimes from the company side, it's getting more expensive than the PPO plan. Right. Um, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah. So I think from your guys' standpoint, I do think it's a good way to connect with HR. I think they understand HSA plans. They want to promote HSA plans. Um, I, you know, going on the journey with them. I mean, you guys are seen as trusted advisors already with HR. If there's a, bro they're looking for a broker. If you're helping them find other brokers, there, I think is helpful. Um, oh, what? Well, and Mike had a quick question, or actually a, an example case that he's working on a hospital. Um, they told him that they have to address benefits first. He wants to just keep in contact, you know, send him some good ideas. What, what would be a good, uh, approach kind of maybe to mention what you're saying coming up in January next year. So, so I, I have a podcast as well. I actually had, you know, I had you on my, my show. I had an example. It's, I'll look it up. It's Angie. Um, what's her last time? I can't remember last time. Anyway, I had her on the show. And the reason why I, I use that case and I'll send it to you later, Jake, is that, she, she went through this benefit process. She ended up saving $600,000 in money for her company. Well, guess what they did? They increased their 401k match this year and they increased wages. 
And so a lot of companies, a lot of people in HR want to do more in 401k. They want to add stuff, but they just have a hard time getting approved through their CFO and through budget. But they're sitting on this gold mine within their employee benefits if they would just do it in a, in a better way. And so one of the ways might be to partner with that HR person and say, look, I get it. I, you know, it's 2021, money's tight, stuff like that. What if we partner together to help you find money so that you can invest in the programs you want to invest in, like, like the 401k plan or adding more staff or whatever, you know, here's some resources, here's some ideas to help you save some money on your benefits. Yeah. I've, I've even gone the route with a couple of groups um, a few years back where we would try to negotiate a, a bonus for the HR person as we worked on, a, on improving their 401k. Like, and so, cause they had to go through some work and say, all right, Mr. CEO, like, or Mrs. CEO, can, can we, you know, we're going to do this work and your HR is going to have to do some things, but we're going to save the company hundred thousand dollars. Can we give a little bit of that to the HR person for doing that extra work? Because they're, they're, they are putting a lot more time into it and it's going to take some effort, but um, that sometimes it depends on the relationship you have, I guess. On the company, the right? Team, like, like what they're doing. Yeah. That's been a good way. I I've just, I've spent years trying to figure out HR and how to better connect I'm, with them. I wear an HR hat. I'm still trying to figure out. And sometimes they tick me <laughs> off too. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> They all come uh, up so in a different way. The Trendbreakers you know? podcast is Angie Walker. So episode 82, I just walked through a whole case study and like focusing on employee benefits. But one of the nice things is it resulted in her talking about investing more in the 401k plan um, and how they were able to do that within their, their company. And so that might be a good one for you to share with some of these HR folks of saying, look, we want to increase the 401k plan. And here's an example of a company that did it. Um, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good one. So check that episode out. I'm going to open up. Does anybody have any more questions? You guys can unmute yourselves or if you have um, anything you want to ask Steve while we got him, um, fire away. I've, I've, this has been really so interesting. It's a, so somebody asked a question, do you think the new transparency rule in healthcare costs will change that? So one of the things in the healthcare thing is hospitals need to publish their pricing. A lot of them are playing games with it. They're putting out a bunch of garbage data that people are having a hard time reading. It's like, well, it's, it's public. You know, see, here's all my stuff here. But people are starting to figure it out. It's it's coming where I think you'll have services that will, will price things out in a better way to help us give more transparency and information. Um, but it's going to take a little while. Yeah. Um, Any other questions, guys? I mean, to kind of, you know, one that you might want to ask me is I, I am a CFO. So how would you want to connect with me? How would I why would I pick up the phone to talk to you? But you know, if nobody wants to ask that question. Then, yeah, no, fire away. I want to know that answer. CFOs <laughs> are better at blocking calls and people reaching out than HR. I've, I've found most HR yeah. will listen, but then they don't take any action. Yeah, I, don't talk. The, the, I, I had a broker conference ask me to come speak there and talking about how to connect better with CFOs. And the one example that really resonated with me and with everybody there was the Geico lizard. So we all know the jingle, right? So I'll save you 10 to 15% on, on your car insurance, blah, blah, blah. Well, how many of you guys have actually called Geico? I haven't, but they can save you 10 to 15%. Why haven't you called them? Well, because all that other stuff that goes through your head of why you haven't called about customer service and stuff. And so I find that brokers sound a lot like, cause they're always saying, I'm going to save you some money. I'm going to save you 10 to 15%. I'm going to do stuff. And you sound like everybody else. And that's not going to make me call you back just saving money. So what is going to get me to call you back is things that are insightful, trying to teach me things that I don't know, things that other brokers aren't teaching me is helpful. And it doesn't have to be 401k stuff. Like anything 
anything, you know, it could be about employee benefits. It could be about payroll systems. It could be about their business. It could be about anything that's insightful. If you keep bringing me insightful data, I'm going to pick up the phone because you've been helpful to me. And then the second thing that's resonates really well in employee benefit space is case studies. So just case study after case study and showing how it worked um, is very helpful. And a really good book to read is Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. So highly recommend that book. Um, it's just in a brief thing, it's, it's basically a lot of people, they, they promote themselves as the hero. Like I'm gonna come in and save you this much money. I've been in business this long. I've done, like, we really don't care. Like all of us wake up in the morning wanting to be the hero. And what you want to be is the guide. You want to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke Skywalker. You want to be the Yoda or something. And so position yourself as the guide, helping them get up the mountain they want to climb. And how you do that is through case studies. You show them the case studies, show them that you helped other companies get up that mountain and you can help them do the same. Yeah, that's a very good point. Helping them come to realization and them being the hero, helping them. Yes, you want them to be the hero. You're yeah. celebrating them. You know, I, I see too many people promoting, you know, at the end of the year, their, their sales reps and all these awards that they win for doing stuff. That's the most, that turns me off so much. But if you do an award of your clients and saying, here's the award I'm giving out to them, they're the hero. They're the ones that survived 2020 doing this stuff. That gets a lot of more press and goes farther with the, my community. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Mike says, have you looked at captive arrangements? And as a CFO, does a return of not only good claims experience, but a rebate on stop loss premiums, additional savings tools, something that a CFO might look. Um, so yes, I've looked at captive. Captives are, are really, can be good for companies to meet in my mind with less than a hundred employees, like kind of grouping together and doing stuff. They get sold to companies that are a lot bigger than that, that I don't think that they need that savings there. I don't think it's as helpful. And then as far as the rebate on stop loss premium, I would say most of the CFOs have never heard of it because their broker hasn't told them about it. And so if you just kind of show them case studies or even start talking about stop, what is stop loss? Too many brokers talk over CFOs because they don't want to sound stupid, but they're like, the CFOs not even grasping what they're even talking about. So if you started talking stop loss, like what's stop loss? I don't know how that works. Right. Yeah, I captives, uh, I've heard a little bit about um, Spent some time in it. Alex, so, that's another question. Alex, when you think of a typical CFO, how much time they're committing towards benefits? Hardly any. Um, in a comparison, other responsibilities, you know, tax filings. So CFOs will, it, it's a once a year thing. So I, I meet with my team in August. I set the priorities of like what benefits we want to offer for the new year. And then I turn it over to my broker and I don't think about it until the end of September. And then for about a three week period of time is a negotiating time of like, we're working on plans, we're trying to negotiate and do stuff. So it's a very high priority for those maybe three or four weeks and then turn it off and don't think about it the rest of the year. So it's, it's what's hard is trying to nail when it is that time of year, you know, cause it could be in August, it could be renewals. 60% of employee benefits renew in January. So most companies are January one, which means in September, October is their high time when they're negotiating these plans. Another high period is July 1st. And so usually in you know, April, May is their kind of higher time. And then there's sporadic ones throughout the year. Um, so just kind of hitting So I've had brokers calling me all the time and I won't respond to them. But if they call me during that three-week period, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to talk about this right now. So sometimes it's just figuring out when that time is and being patient for that next renewal period. 
how do you like them to reach out to you? I mean, what, what would get your attention if they, obviously if they bring value and bring something that you wanted to learn about, how can they get that to you? So I, again, I, I think you got to get out of just 401k land. And so adding value in, in other areas. And so you talk about P&L, tax filings. So you're not, you're not an expert in taxes, but you guys know a lot of people out in that space. And so being able to connect them with other people, you know, recruiting is always a big thing. You guys get connected with a lot of people. And so finding out like, which are the jobs that they're trying to fill and trying to help them find candidates or, or maybe they're at the point of their career that they're trying to look for something else. And so you can be the connector with, with other people. Um, that book, Building a Story Brand is a really good book for you guys to read, but it's a really good book for HR to use to recruit, to change their recruiting process. And so you could send it to them and say, look, you know, I read this book. It's really helpful to do things a different way. I think it'd be helpful for you with your recruiting process. So you see, it's like it's different areas to kind of stay top of mind during the year. And my podcast, I, I would love to talk about employee benefits all day, but nobody wants to listen to employee benefits all year round. And so I've tried to broaden out a whole bunch of different topics there. If you're curious of what HR is talking about or what they're interested in, just go to your local HR association and look up their agenda on the topics they're having for the next 12 months. And you'll see like what, what resonates topics. So medical marijuana is a topic that people like to talk about and figuring out those laws or you know, COVID protocols and stuff is another one. Um, I, I, I would avoid trying to send them just another form, just like, oh, here's another, here's a COVID protocol that might be helpful because there's 30 other people trying to send that to them. Um, but even just recognizing what they went through. And I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I was on a phone call with a whole bunch of employee benefits brokers and they were asking like, how are you doing? How are you connecting with your, your HR professionals? And he said, well, I'm, and this was last year in like July. He says, well, I'm, I'm sending them a lot of books because I know they have a lot of times on their hands. And I was like, are you insane? Like, do you just not <laughs> understand what that, I mean, they were working 60 hours before. Now they're working 90 hours and have no idea what's going on. Like they're not going to have any time to do this stuff. And so instead of sending them a book, like send them like when you're super stressed, what would you want? Like acknowledgement, you know, recognition that you're going through a hard time, validation, you know, something to help you know, a massage. I mean, it's hard yeah, to like, I, I mean, what, what would you want yeah. them to send to them? Just, but just the validation and recognition. So there was a, a lady that posted today in Texas saying vendors do not reach out to me this week because you look stupid because I'm going through, I'm trying to feed my family, keep them warm and do stuff. And you're reaching out to talk about a payroll system, like recognize that I'm going through a pandemic right now. Um, so Very I'm just like, point. Be in, be in tune with what's going on in the world. If you're the one validating, you're going to stand out a little bit different. So, I mean, just even a phone call, like, wow, man, life sucks right now. I'm sorry. You know, like I, or we're going through this, this together, you know, or I don't know. I mean, one of the things brokers went last summer that was very helpful is they were helping find PPP, PPE equipment for companies and they had access to some other ones. And so my, the broker I had here in town, he was calling his CFOs and saying, look, I know you guys are looking for this. I have access to to hundred masks, would that be helpful? And yeah, he was getting tons of responses because he recognized what was going on. He was feeling a need that they had. And now he's more top of mind when they're talking about benefits or something. Yeah, it allows you to connect with them. They get to know, like, and trust you because you actually care. Yeah. Not, and you don't do it with expectation of winning their business. That'll, you'll, that'll shine right through every time. You have to do it because you're a good person. And you and don't you want actually... to send a mask with your, your brand over the <laughs> top of it. Like... Right, right. Uh, I said the last one is the best way to share case studies just to continue to email or voicemail or video message. 
videos a lot better than written case studies. They'll trust them a lot better. They're people that they could see and do. And so they don't have to be fancy produced things. So if you have a, a client that is really, really likes all your work, you know, pull out your phone. Can we just like record a quick two minute thing? Cause, and, and make sure, I mean, some people get nervous. I was trying to get a CFO to do this for me, but before it's like, look, I'm not putting this on my website. I'm not doing this on, you know, big public stuff. But if there's another CFO that's, you know, I have another CFO that's interested in signing up for my services. I'd love just to share your story with them. I'm like, oh, that's, that's okay. That's fine. We'll record a little video there. So it's, it's almost like the, the less produced they are, the more real they become, right? Because they can see that you're pulling out a phone. They can see that it's more of a real thing. It's a real person they can call out. They can talk about their real stuff. And it's like, oh, well, this is, you know, maybe this is legit, not just made up. Right. Doesn't, it's more authentic. doesn't need yeah. to be a big production. I think a lot of people get so stuck on that. So yeah, just pull your phone out and yeah, case Don't another worry. case like Jake, what you did, um, your your one on that video that that you posted what was the guy's the Gary V. Gary V. Yeah, I, I love that one. I I thought that was just using an example of like okay, there's the testimonials that you have of your current clients, but then of like people you don't even know and doing stuff and just like highlighting your work because it shows what you're doing and it shows the process that you would take to go through the pro. Like here's the information. This is how I'm doing it. I'm just giving it away for free here. It's very insightful. I mean, I, I couldn't step away from that video. I was like, this is like fascinating. So and it was like, I don't have an expectation. If I, I still haven't heard from Gary and I don't care that I do. I just, it's showing people that this information is out there and wherever you work, you can find it on your company as long as it's big enough, right? Over 120 people. But um, it's important that you question this because how else do you get a 401k improved other than if you can create mass push from most employees, that's going to improve it because then yeah, see so some ideas is like, you know, Gary V is like one of them and maybe they're not prospects, but like pick your local city and you know, go look up their 401k plan and like analyze that and say, look, as all citizens, we want to contribute on trying to help the city or some of the local nonprofits. Like here's some examples here or, you know, just, just ideas, but it's showing the work and it's showing that you're giving back and it's showing that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and so I've been doing it on a smaller scale, like around with different clients I want to help. Yeah. And I'm just giving them everything, right? They could take yeah. that video that I send to them. I record with Loom, send it over to them in an email. They could take that right to their advisor and make the adjustments. <laughs> and but I, some will. I don't know any different and I don't but, care. But some will and it's fine. But what will happen is like, why did my advisor not tell me this stuff? And it makes their other advisor look like an idiot because they hadn't, they didn't do all this stuff for them. And so if you just do that a couple of times, it, yeah. it, it, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Any other questions? We've gone, we've gone over. I see you've, you're a wealth of information. Like <laughs> I hope, uh, I hope a lot of uh, you, the group here will start following you because you no, I love, so love you guys follow on. I put out a ton of stuff on, on LinkedIn. Uh, my big thing is the podcast. And so I, I, I have people on my show that I like to talk about. So a lot of finance CFOs on there, a lot of HR professionals, employee benefit stuff. I'm really telling the story of CFO and HR professionals. And so if you really want to get inside our heads and kind of understand our life, go listen to some of those episodes and just hear their journey, why they got into it, what are they passionate about? It'll help you understand your client a lot better. Love it. Awesome, Steve. Well, congrats on all the good things you're doing and keep it up. If we can, any of us can ever help you, let us all know. Oh, I will. I, my, my big thing is speaking engagement. So if you ever want to partner up on some speaking engagements or do something or co-host webinars or do anything with your client, I'm trying to get in front of as many CFOs and HR professionals to educate them as well and love to help out any of you guys that want to do it as well. So that'd be, see, there you go. That's a super valuable 
opportunity for everybody here to offer. So and you can just go on my, again, my LinkedIn, it has my speaker kit on there. You can see the topics. Some of them are employee benefits, but some of them are like, you know, an HR association has asked me to speak on how can they connect better with their CFO. And because I wear both hats, I can talk through that. I just, I got asked to speak at the National Sherm Conference last year. So like 20,000 people there and it got canceled, unfortunately, but this year they're re rescheduling, but I love to speak. And I really think partnering with some of you guys would be helpful both for you guys and for me. So let me know. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Steve. You're thanks welcome. everybody. Thanks. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you soon. All right. Episode's over. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Steve for being a great guest. That guy knows his stuff. I would reach out to Steve if I were you and do some webinars while he's offering that because his time's going to get really tied up. He's doing some major things to improve healthcare, which frees up money to help on the 401k. So connect with him. Also, send me a text so you can keep in the loop with what we're doing in the 401 Club. I've got a lot on the roadmap, a lot of exciting things. I really think 2021 is going to be a big year for everybody. Text me at 385-220-8548. You can just text me your name, 401k, whatever you want to send to me. It's me. It comes to my phone. I'll respond. This way I can send you video, links, other things, other valuable things to help you in your practice. Whatever you might be doing, 401k advisor, wholesaler, auditor, all those things. I just want to keep in touch with you. And I'm also teaching you how important texting is. By the way, you need to do the same thing with your prospects and clients. So, hope to see you in there. Hope to see you uh, involved on LinkedIn and other social media platforms because that's where our attention is. Have a great weekend, everybody.